Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. And I am really excited to talk today a little bit about energy. On today's show, we have Hannah Solar. Our CEO is Pete Marty, and with him is his Regional Vice President of Business Development, J.P. Sartori. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about what Hannah Solar does. I think guests might be able to kind of infer what you do, but go ahead and tell us. <laughs> From the name, you can infer that we're in the solar business. We, um, we design, engineer, procure, and construct uh, solar, solar systems for commercial customers, residential customers, industrial customers out in big open fields. On top of that, we're also electrical contractors. So we, uh, a few years ago, picked up the electric vehicle charging business. So we install electric vehicle charging equipment. We put in more than anyone else in the Southeast, and Georgia's the number two market in the country for EVs, so that's fun, electric vehicles. And then we also um, have a generator business, and so we do natural gas backup generators. So the three complement one another very well in the energy space, and then storage is, is our latest addition, energy storage, which is the, what folks could refer to as the holy grail in the, in, the solar, in the solar space because now we can generate power from the sun store it during the day, and then use it at night. Great. And so as I, I like to ask my guests, what are the trends in your industry or area of expertise that you think other middle market CEOs would be interested in knowing? I think the biggest takeaway for, for, for us that, that we'd want folks to walk away with is um, the fact that energy prices keep on going up and the cost of solar keeps on going down what we're able to do with solar is provide an energy hedge for that CEO going forward. So if they have a monthly power bill of $5,000 a month, we can really rest assured that number is going to keep on creeping up. Typical average is about 2% a year from the utility numbers. That number just is going to, to compound on itself over time. This, by, by putting solar up, you're able to hedge that, increasing cost. And with all the tax advantages associated with solar, you're able to actually reduce that portion of your fixed expenses very quickly, about a six-year payback on, on solar. Then you've got, you know, essentially very, very, very low-cost energy for that portion you're able to solve for. And JP, how have, how have sales been in a year when energy prices, at least with regard to oil, have been relatively cheap? And so, there's been less of an emphasis on green technologies, um, including solar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's so much about a less of an emphasis. I think there's a continuing emphasis. Uh, there's continuing growth. I think you know we find I I personally find in the sales uh, field uh, uh, sort of this groundswell that's sort of uh, unpreventable even even through energy expenses reductions. I think people look at solar as uh, while it's an energy source. I don't think they necessarily correlate it with the cost of oil. Um, I think there's a there's a, a gap there that people don't make, uh, even at a business level. I think solar serves a, f- a few purposes, one being the energy factor that Pete had mentioned, but the secondary is sometimes it's a sustainability factor. Uh, mm. you know, we have companies that we deal with who have mandates uh, in their supply chain, whether they're at the top of the supply chain or, or sitting down the supply chain. They ultimately have mandates to meet 
um, you know, we have a company in South Georgia does some work for one of a large chocolate manufacturer in the, in the United States. Uh, they supply peanuts. Uh, that manufacturer, that that chocolate manufacturer, has uh, you know man, mandates in terms of sustainability for their suppliers. Well, that peanut grower of ours, client of ours, puts in solar to meet that mandate. So they, in fact, improve their position in terms of their corporate food chain by way of a solar system, um, in addition to the tax credits and things that Pete mentioned, the financial benefits. Mm-hmm. So sales have been good. Yeah, and I think, I, in fact, I found you either on um, the fastest growing or best places to work or some award that you recently won. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so as we kind of talk about energy and the, the business that you're in, um, personally, I, I did some research, considered uh, taking my home solar, and I was got a little sticker shock. Um, you know, I, I, uh, was not pleased to find that it would cost about $20,000 to take my house completely solar. I mean, there was this option where I would be able to just give energy back to the, to, Je- to Georgia power. And I was like, no, that's not a good one, but to get the whole thing with the generator and to be able to power the whole house at night, um, it was going to be somewhere on the order of $20,000. And so, and this is for residential, obviously. So tell listeners a little bit, a little bit more about the economics and why this is compelling. So the economics work out so much better for a business customer because they get the benefit of depreciation. Mm-hmm. There's a 30% federal tax credit that was just extended last year in the omnibus bill that allows for 30% of the purchase price. Let's just say it's $100,000. $30,000 of that can be taken off of your tax bill that next year. So um, Q3 and Q4 are very busy for us for that very reason. But um, from there there's depreciation on a commercial account. Um, so that's another, depending on their tax rate, you know, another 30000 or so mm-hmm. in benefit. So now 60, 60% of it or so comes back to them in tax advantage. The savings on the electricity comes back to them year in and year out for at least 30 years. These are warrantied systems for 25 years. They should, they should last for 40 or 50 years with proper maintenance. And so you, when you look at the levelized cost of your electricity, the, the number that you pay per kilowatt hour is far, far lower than what the utility is currently charging you. And it's just, it's a matter of how many years do we divide the cost of the system out over after your tax advantage? And it, it comes out to be a, a super low number. For homeowners, unfortunately, we don't get depreciation. And so that's why third-party ownership of solar systems, which became legal in Georgia just one year ago, and it was a unanimous vote in the House and the Senate here, and then Governor Deal signed it into law last July 1, that allows us to finance solar systems not only for residential customers, but also for commercial and, more importantly, not-for-profits and municipal customers, because they don't get that tax advantage, either 30% or the depreciation. So this makes it really beneficial for an option for a municipality to to power their wastewater treatment plant or their school system with solar. So you said third party ownership. So this would be like some company says, I'm going to own the solar panels and the solar energy system on your house and you'll pay me a a monthly fee or whatever. Right. There was actually Mike Dudgeon introduced the bill last year, uh, Representative Dudgeon, and it, it was a collaboration between the electric membership cooperatives, the municipal electric authority and Georgia power and um, the solar interests um, came together and wrote a really, really robust bill to allow that uh, third party ownership rules were 
essentially they were clarified because we, we in the solar industry, of course, being optimists, we believed that it was always legal to do that. But um, we had some pushback from from some of our friends in the utilities that that didn't believe the same things we did. Um, most of the time, we're on the same page, not always. But um, in in this case now, either a leasing company could own it or um, banks could finance it and they could finance it as a separate um, uh, asset class. And so it allows for someone to put that on the roof and the only security is the system. They don't have to change their bank and, and you know, redo their mortgage and put their building or their home into a mortgage where, where this asset, $20,000 asset on the roof or $100,000 asset or a million dollar asset is, is wrapped into their mortgage. It's, it's a separate asset. Mm. And so, I mean, as you think about the, the future, you know, and the kind of the prospects for this business, I've heard that the cost of the solar panels may be coming down. Is that something that you expect? We see it every day. Yes. Uh, panel costs and component costs overall, not just panel costs. I mean, the panels are the obviously most visible part of it, but there are components to the whole system. Inverters being one thing, you know, uh, the panel captures the sunlight and converts the silicone modules, convert the energy into direct current DC. And, but that's not what runs through our walls. So we have an inverter system. Uh, it's, a, it's an electronic mechanical device. It's actually the, the, the workhorse of the system. And that converts the direct current that comes off the roof and out of the panels and converts it into alternating current or AC, which then runs through our, our uh, lines in our, in our homes. Um, and we see all those components uh, continuing to drop in price. They've had precipitous drops over the last you know, five years uh, to the point where you know, that $20,000 system, meaning you were talking about, was you know, 40 or 50 five, six years ago. So we've continued to see that. Now the, the drop is, is sort of leveling a little bit, but it is continuing to drop. So we see that every day. Hmm. Another implication, and I'm wondering if this is something that we'll see if they're allowing third-party ownership, is is it possible that like Georgia Power could then just all of a sudden say that we're going to offer solar panels as a as a service or as an option? We'll own them, and you know we'll just continue to charge you your monthly monthly bill. That's a that's a great question. And, I try. And uh, and a, <laughs> a year ago, they um, at the annual meeting, Tom Fanning, the CEO, said that they will offer solar panels to their customers. And so they selected a handful of great contractors to do that, and we're, we're honored to be one of those contractors. And so we have installed um, a number of systems on behalf of Georgia Power for their customers over the last year, and we just see that ramping up. Tom is a very, very progressive utility executive, and he, he does a great job, and Paul Bowers does as well. And they, they run an incredible utility, but they also understand that the passion of customers to go solar and also the supply chain um, drivers for their big corporate clients is something they can't ignore. They don't want to ignore it because it's their customer. We certainly, you know, are, are happy to be, be selected to be one of their partners. And, and the, the client gets the benefit of not really having to use, you know, if they're in the, the business of making widgets, they might not want to spend a million dollars on energy, even though they're, they're able to hedge their energy costs. They're, they're, true business of making widgets needs that million dollar infusion because their their demand is so great for their product. Yeah, and they can make the spread, right, which is what they're really in the business for. You know, whereas they get no spread off of the, the million dollars. But the deal that Georgia Power was talking to me about was, you know, I would still have to pay to get the, the solar installation. So is this um, 
potential new program where they would actually own the system and then discharge for the energy as they do now? They're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. um, I assume they'll get there. They're very sharp finance guys, but there are a hundred other folks out there that will offer that service that would own it as opposed to the utility owning it. Those are the folks we talk to every day to try and get the best deal for our customers mm -hmm. because today they're the utilities customers, but you know they, they buy HVAC equipment from a you know, HVAC contractor, they buy roofing materials to get a re-roof done through a roofing contractor. Now they have an option to buy their energy through a different provider, essentially, and it's a, it's a finance play. As sexy as the solar panels are, it's really a finance question. Mm -hmm. And that's where, um, you know, some of these folks have great, great programs. And um, we've, uh, with the cost being as low as it is now for solar for a commercial account, we're you know, just busier than a, than, than we can imagine. Hmm. And so JP on the, the, the sales and the market front, what is the, do you know, like what penetration solar has in terms of electricity now and like what your expectations are over the next few years? Yeah, Pete, I don't know if you have uh, specific penetration numbers. I was just reading an article today, uh, from IRENA, uh, which is the International Resource Energy. Uh, uh, but solar is the largest renewable sector in the United States, uh, largest growth sector, uh, be that wind and others. Um, it, globally, it is as well. But here in the United States, we've seen, I guess, it, the number was 11% increase in, in uh, you know, that was 15 numbers. So um, I don't know exactly what the penetration is. Today, you know? in Georgia, we're, let, we're right at or below 2% still. Wow. And it gets a lot of attention. And there are... There are really three different um, segments to solar. There's residential solar, there's commercial industrial solar, and then there's utility scale solar. And out of the um, the solar that's in the ground in the state of Georgia, only 7% of that is commercial, industrial, and residential. The rest is utility scale solar. And so it's a very small percentage that's actually on business owners' roofs because it's less expensive to find a huge field in South Georgia near a substation and put in 100,000 panels than it is to put in 1,000 panels on a roof in metro Atlanta. And there's a, there's a robust debate going on right now about the value of that solar. And is it, is it more valuable where it's needed being generated and consumed on the same site rather than being generated in a field in South Georgia and run up the wires up to up to Metro Atlanta. And there's a robust debate right now at the Public Service Commission about that. And that happens every three years about the value of solar. And it's happening not only in Georgia, but almost across all 50 states. And it's it's interesting. Solar gets so much dialogue, yet it's, you know, nationally, it's, it's you know, about that 2 to 3% level nationally. But as JP said, it's growing so rapidly right now, there are some some folks that are calling for 100% renewables within uh, between now and 2050, and I don't really see where that, or certainly emission free by 2050, I don't see where that's really a stretch. It's it's that much of a tidal wave right now. Well, and Hawaii has committed to that. I mean, Hawaii has committed to a 100% renewable, and I think it is by 2050, 2040, something like that. So. States are doing it, um, and we certainly have potential here in Georgia to do it. I mean, our, our sun power is, is decent here. Um, we have the opportunity. It's just a matter of, you know, all the parties coming together to take that opportunity and make the most of it, really. 
So what are the biggest barriers to you to, to growth of solar? A, a lot of it's education. It, you know, we're, we're, we spend a tremendous amount of time still educating folks on, on what they're currently paying for electricity. It's a monthly bill. There haven't really been good options up until now because solar was very expensive. There's no sense in putting a wind turbine up, um, you know, on your building in Metro Atlanta, and you can't put a nuclear reactor in your backyard. So you didn't have many options. So now solar is a very, very financially viable option. And so it's an education uh, process. And you hear some in the media are not on board with that messaging yet because they, they just don't know the numbers. They haven't, they have not been able to sit down and actually put on a, a clear set of lenses and look at this from an objective standpoint. They're, they've only listened to what they what they believe to be the facts, and the facts are inaccurate. Um, the jobs in solar are two and a half times what they are in coal. Two and a half times you what they the are salary. in coal. The average salary? No, no, no I mean the number, the number of, of people. There are almost 200,000 people in solar and growing exponentially. And in coal, it's less than 80,000 and dropping precipitously. That's so con- it's, I'm confused. Okay, so let's get this. Maybe yeah. it's because it's so surprising. It's shocking that it's it, like, I'm like, uh. so there there have to be more than 80,000 people working in coal in the U.S. No, mm-hmm. and it's dropping. It, it may actually be closer to 50,000. So there are only 50,000 human beings working in the coal industry in the United States right now. Roughly. Yeah. Or 80, roughly. 50 80, to 80, 80, Let's call it 80 even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are over 200,000 working in solar. Okay. And, and, and we saw an 11% boost year over year from 14 to 15 in that solar sector, in that 200,000, and it's continuing. The only the only plateau, it's plateauing in Europe right now. China and the U.S. has seen increases in jobs in the renewable sector, solar sector. Europe has kind of leveled out, but they've been ahead of us in terms of their 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 input in their solar. Adoption, their, yeah, yeah I and mean, they put a lot more in the ground than we have. Germany, for instance, you know, has been a world leader. Now their 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 program is kind of leveling out their their industry there. And so, how can that be when coal produces so much of the energy in the country? Is it just that one human can get because of the mines and the machines they can just get so much more coal out of the ground? Well, it's the energy density within that unit of coal. Um, but really, coal, the shift, um, natural gas has really taken over for coal. Coal is, is um, used to be over 60% of the generation mix in the state of Georgia, and now we're, it's less than 30% and dropping very rapidly. And it's, it's not the driver is because natural gas is so much less expensive. Natural gas is honestly our biggest competitor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, natural gas... I hope it doesn't go down much more. You know, we're not up against gasoline gas. We're up against natural gas. It's a very inexpensive form of energy generation. And it's fairly easy to convert a coal plant producing electricity into a natural gas plant because of the boiler technology and, and how it's generated. It's not super simple, but it's, it's, it's easier than trying to shift from coal to nuclear, which is, you know, very complicated and very mm-hmm. expensive. Mm. Great. Well, thank you so much for that discussion of trends in, in solar. Very, very interesting. And I think also very important, um, just given um, a lot of what's happening with climate change, et cetera. Um, so turning to the second segment, um, we always talk about the relationship between the the two guests. And so um, you guys are, are building a really amazing company. And so, Pete, tell us a little bit about how JP and your other employees have contributed to your growth and why you wanted to have JP on the show with you today. Yeah, well, JP, um, you know, we we go way back, actually, when I first moved to Atlanta. Uh, Which was we, when? Uh, 1993. 
he he and I were working at the same company, and he had been down here for a while at the time, and so we became roommates. And so that was in '93. <laughs> then we, we that's both. Where, that's where the story ends, right yeah. there. You can <laughs> right, move right, on right. from there. <laughs> and that's when Buckhead was still Buckhead, right? Um, right. And so from there, we uh, we both got married, went our separate ways. He moved back to Wisconsin. Um, I was in the beer business for 10 years, the craft beer business for 10 years. And then I started this company back in 2007. A few years ago, JP was moving back to Atlanta and and I were talking on the phone a couple of times. We hadn't spoken much over the 10 years that we had been apart. And then I knew I could just sense in his voice the passion he had for all things environmental related, the 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 earth itself and all the creatures on the earth. I mean, it's, it's, um, part of our culture, you know, we're, we're not simply about profit and loss, although we're, we, we love profit just like any other company. Um, but most importantly, we're, we're changing the world and we feel like in the U S we are a huge part of this movement and key members on the team like JP are really, really passionate about the movement. Hmm. That's super important. Well, let's back up a second. So you said you started the business in 2007. Correct. There was a lot that was happening in 2007. A lot that was happening in construction and real estate yes. in 2007 and not, you know, and shortly thereafter. So tell us about what in the world <laughs> possessed well, you or when in 2007 did you start the business is probably. Right, right. Well, not at the right time, you know, but it, it, you read so much about how many great businesses start during dramatic recessions. And we happened to be fortunate enough to start it before the recession. <laughs> and then we were able to grow through the recession. And, you know, my wife looked at me and I, she didn't think I was quite so crazy because there were so many other folks actually out of work. And here I was, yes, struggling to start a new business, but at the same time, the expectations for everybody were just so low at that time. So it, it was great. And the other thing about it is, Solar is about finance, and it's also about nuts and bolts being assembled together. So we were able to pick up other key members on the team that came from the construction space. Our electrical contractor, Richard Turner, had been um, had his own electrical contracting business that had struggled. Um, Pat O'Donnell, who is our vice president of construction, vice president of operations, he had been in the real estate development space and had challenges there, as everyone else in the space did. And so these guys are are also key members of the team that that were early on out of necessity rather than the passion about the movement. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, so you uh, started in the in the bowels of the recession <laughs> and picked up some growth. So was the the contraction construction affecting you? Or was it just that you're in just like this parallel universe because you're in solar and not doing all this other stuff? Right. We were, um, fortunately, there were some government programs that came along. The TARP funding allowed a state like Georgia that did have a tax credit back then for solar. They were able to, um, if you had an energy program within your state, you were able to modify it. So the tax credit was able, they were able to turn that into a cash grant because no one had a tax appetite. Everyone was losing money. So now instead of that $100,000 cost, you would get back the federal turned into a tax, into a cash grant. 
So the $30,000 tax credit was a check back from oh. Uncle Sam and the state as well. So it was 35000 from the state of Georgia. So it made it, you know, again, almost a no-brainer. And so you were getting 65 cents back on the dollar. So that that helped really kind of keep people employed and was very effective, especially in a state like Georgia that was really behind in solar. And solar was still more expensive then, uh, a lot more expensive than it is today, but it was a much more expensive form of electricity generation. Well, those programs helped get people up and running and, and really were, in my opinion, it was incredibly successful. There are 240 companies like us in the state of Georgia. Hmm. We're fortunate to be one of the biggest ones, but um, there are others that are nearly as big as us, and there are other very big general contractors who have complete divisions dedicated to solar. And so back to your question, the, the challenge was at the time, you didn't have the big general contractors getting new projects that had solar on them. They weren't getting any projects because nothing was being built. To, well, literally yesterday, I was called by two big GCs who are working on, one has three big projects they want to put solar on, and the other one has one project they want to put solar on. That was not happening at all. And for literally from 2007 to about 2013, 14, that time frame, no one was saying, we're going to put solar on this project because it was, it was a nice to have, but it was, we knew essentially most of those projects that did have solar, you know, as they got to the end of the construction budget, they'd scratch solar off because it was a, it was a nice to have, not have to have. Hmm. They need the elevators. Yeah. <laughs> now, JP, when did you come on? I've been with Hannah two years. Okay. Two years. So um, kind of past all of the, the, uh, the recession. The I was recession. in that myself in my own business at the time in Wisconsin, hoping to get back and following Pete's business at arm's length over Facebook. And, you know, Pete and I, as he mentioned, have been friends for a long time. And I saw the, the evolution of the business and I, that sort of core fabric in me, as Pete mentioned, that sort of environmentalist side of me was following his business, you know, always complimentary. I was glad to see his accomplishments despite, you know, the economy and everything else that was happening. So that was sort of my draw to it. And then when I was looking to move back to Georgia, I reached out to Pete and, you know, said, hey, you know, how's the business going? He said, it's great. He said, you know, he said, I said, would you have a position for me? And he said, you know what? I think you'd be great in the business. And I, I, I think, I think the, you know, the Lord above every day for my opportunity to come work for, for Hannah and Pete, because it really, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful business to be in from the standpoint of it's a, it's personally rewarding, but it's also very professionally rewarding. So it's a wonderful thing. And, and, and that's a great thing to say, you know, it's a, it's a compliment to Pete and it's a compliment to the, the other, you know, executive staff at Hannah, um, um, and all the, all the colleagues that I work with there, you know, to make it a great place to be. So tell me, how has, how has Hannah Solar and Pete been able to get three, at least three business owners, right, to work together successfully and to come together as a cohesive team. Well, Pete's the only owner. He's he's he's, he's no, but former business owners, oh, right? Because you said yes, the the, deep, yes. the um electric your electrical Electrician. expert, your yeah. your Turner. um your yeah, Pat O'Donnell. You, and I, yes, yeah, yeah, you all right, own right. your own businesses, right? And you're still invested, and in you yeah yeah yeah. Uh, how has that happened? You know, um, it's funny, Pete. Um, 
you know, he mentioned we're roommates and you learn a lot about someone when you live with them. But boy, do you ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's unavoidable. Maybe that's the reason uh, why I'm still single. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but, you know, Pete is uh, Pete's a visionary. You know, um, I'll be the first one to say, you know, he's, he's not necessarily Mr. Head of Operations, you know, and that's why he has a, a vice president of operations, because Pete's a visionary. And that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, great, great business cultures are are driven you know by the, by the vision of an advocate like like somebody like Pete and Pete is truly that advocate for us in the in the solar sector in in the southeast really all over nationally speaking but but predominantly in our business sector here in the southeast and um, you know, it's great to be a part of that. that. That's what motivates a lot of people that we work with and, and the, the kind of shared vision, uh, you know, or shared mission vision kind of thing, you know, and I know a lot of companies say, you know, what, what can you do to improve the business? You know, how, you know, CEOs look at helpful, you know, those things, transparency, integrity, you know, all those things. Um, I would say that really sharing the vision with downstream with everybody from the top down, that's the key, you know, that's the key because everybody feels part of a much more part of a mission that we're, we're doing something, as Pete said earlier, changing the world, kind of one solar panel at a time. And that, that is a wonderful thing. And not every business can say that. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to be in a very, uh, you know, emerging technology yeah, business. Yeah, the, the tobacco industry can't say that. You're right. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's much more difficult. So for us, you know, for us, it's... it's Changing uh, the world, one cigarette at a time, one right, puff at a time. Right. Not necessarily in a good direction, <laughs> but uh, no offense to those who smoke, but... Um, it's wonderful to be a part of that, you know, and, and, and it's exciting also to be, you know, as Pete mentioned, we, we have a lot of things that affect the success and, and the movement of our business. And one of those things being policy, you know, and we're, we are a disruptive business, but we're not a destructive business. And, and sometimes I think that is uh, nationally speaking, you know, probably globally, that's one of those challenges is that I think, you know, from the utility sector, as smart as utilities are and the, as integral as they are to our lives, the utilities, you know, they, they see companies like us as being destructive to their, their business model. When in, in reality, we're, we're a bit disruptive, but not destructive. And, and we certainly want to work at every level to, to, you know, partner with those, those utilities and be a part of this new evolution of technology. And I think, you know, as, as a team, we all think that and we all believe that. And that comes from Pete. Hmm. So tell me, as somebody who's working for the visionary CEO, what is the most effective way for the CEO to communicate that vision in a way that it resonates and actually moves downstream? Because, you know, there's one thing to say, blah, 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 right? And then another thing to say it and communicate in such a way that it actually resonates with people, it's impactful, it's inspiring, and it actually drives behavior. Yeah. I, I think it's easier for smaller, smaller to mid-sized businesses like Hannah, because Pete doesn't just stand on a podium or stand on a television in some remote location because I'm across the country. It's certainly easy for a business, easier for a business like, uh, like Pete's because he can sit in an office and sit in a chair and talk about vision with each individual person and sort of individualize that vision that that person has for not only their, their space, their position, that what they do and the way they contribute to the business, but then how that vision of theirs, that personal vision of theirs dovetails with the vision of the business and, and sort of it's that marriage of the two of them. And I think, you know, Pete at a level that he is in the size of the business that it is, where it isn't so big and cumbersome that you can't do that anymore. I think he has the ability to sort of relay that on a personal level. Not every business can do that, but certainly we have that ability. And I think that, that truly is, it's that that sharing a vision rather than just keeping a vision and communicating it to everybody because sharing it is a different thing than just communicating it. I think that's really truly where the, the rubber hits the road. Mm -hmm. And Pete, now um, you get the opportunity to weigh in on what you think has made um, the growth in the team so successful. Part of what JP said 
is very, very true. But it, it's, it is a challenge to communicate that vision to everybody. And not everyone's going to buy in. So, you know, I, you just have to have, have to have enough of the key people in the right spots to, to be able to get you there. And that's what we have. I mean, we've, we've got a great, great team, but, you know, great companies are built with great teams. So everybody's got that. Um, we, on the other hand, have, have enough folks in the right positions that just are leaders on their own. Um, you know, we've got more than the three former business owners, our vice president of sales, Greg Kelly. He used to own Atlanta Brewing Company. He was the founder. He was the first, had the first craft brewery in the state of Georgia. Wow. And so, you know, he's another great guy who, who leads the, the sales team and the service team and has, has been instrumental in growing the business. And he's able to communicate it, and, and he's got a different style than I have, but he's very, very effective. And so, you know, but communicating that vision and making sure that as we've grown or as we continue to grow, that we're able to still communicate that is, that's one of the challenges as I see it. And um, I need to spend a little more time in the office, but I, I'm, we have to be out in front on policy. And mm. I spend a tremendous amount of time on policy. You know, sometimes I, I look at these poor politicians who run for office and they're just going 24-7 from the moment they get up to when they go to bed, they're out campaigning all the time and, and they can never, never relax. And this week we had the big Solar Power Southeast show in the state and it was in Atlanta, and I felt like a politician this week, and it was just nonstop. It was get up, exhausted, go to bed exhausted, and all day long, all you're doing is, you know, networking and communicating the message of where we are, up, upstream, downstream, to the left and to the right, and it was, um, it was exhausting. But it's critically important that we do that, and and internally, we, I, I need to do a better job of of doing that to, to make sure that everyone understands kind of the vision and helps me form it. Because as we've grown, there's, there are a lot of, a lot of shiny, shiny objects we can chase after. And they bust my chops about that all the time that we have to focus on, on the business at hand. Hmm. You said something interesting, which is that to get enough of the people um, who are bought into the vision. So do you have people that are not bought into the vision? And is how and is that okay? You know, because, I, I mean, I would think that you would kind of want everybody bought into the vision. But so tell me about how that works. Well, it, you know, as you grow, it, you hope they all buy into the vision. Um, but the I, I would say the most of them buy into the vision. It's, if not all of them, but it's the mission part that not all of them understand that what we're doing is truly transforming how electricity is generated in the world. And this impacts what our children are going to see in the future and our children's children and so on and so forth. I named the company after my daughter because this is a next generation thing. This is about being good stewards of the earth rather than, um, you know, just exploiting the almighty dollar by selling any form of electron generated out there. I don't think everyone is is as deeply ingrained in the mission. We have a number of employees who, you know, we, we our pay scale is very very high, and yet they still struggle because they're on the lower level of the income spectrum. So it, it's a challenge for them, I think, to to be able to get their heads above the clouds and look at look at the the, the greater good that we're all doing. Some of them do, 
even those that struggle financially. So it, it's it's very interesting. And you know, you you've got to we've got to run a business before we run a mission, and um, running them together is is um, you know the best of both worlds. But not everyone is going to be there with us. I think most are. I mean, I think many are. Oh, I, I yeah, think most are. Yeah, I think most. And I think, you know, it, it it's also the degrees. You know, are they 90% in the boat? Yes. Everybody's 90% in the boat. But is everybody 110% in the boat? That's, I guess that's, I expect 110% out of everybody. And guys like JP at 180% are carrying some of those that are only at 90%. And, and I say 90% of the mission and, and that's okay, you know, and, and that's why it, we've got some, I mean, incredible folks, mm. incredible. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And uh, is there anything new and exciting that's happening at Hannah Solar that you think our listeners would like to know about? Well, I think the, the most exciting thing that we're doing now um, is, the, well, the, the adoption, the rate of adoption by the corporate clients worldwide is just, it's transformational. Um, we're, we're, uh, there's a new Ikea going up in Memphis, Tennessee. We're putting solar on that roof and it, every Ikea facility in the United States has solar on it. So as they build a new store, someone's going to put solar on that store. Regionally, we just happen to be, you know, the best choice. On top of that, we've got, um, national organizations that have formed the Microsofts of the world, the Googles, the Apples, that are committed to 100% of their electricity from renewable sources in a very short amount of time. Most of them are by 2030, 100% from renewables. Some are by 2020, which is tomorrow morning for us. So that's exciting. Others like Walmart are even, they've taken it a step further. They're committed to being 100% off the grid essentially. And so they're helping with storage. The adoption of storage is happening very, very quickly. So these these electric vehicles and the proliferation of the of the battery systems that are out there is fostering much much higher levels of manufacturing of of these lithium ion batteries and flow batteries and new battery technologies and battery management systems so that storage of the energy generated from the sun is now a reality and a cost effective reality which is happening um, much like solar did the price of the storage is dropping at, at, a, at a rate even greater than solar panels. And that's one of the South, um, uh, Southern Cal Edison executives spoke at a, at a seminar a year ago and made that statement. He said, the only thing I've seen drop faster in cost than, than solar in the energy space is storage. And he was speaking to the national accounts at the Edison Electric Institute, which is the investor-owned utility group. So he was... He was definitely not preaching to the choir. He was he was, you know, singing um, from a from a, a different hymnal than than the rest of the folks in in the room. And boy, oh boy, it was it was eye opening to someone like me who looks looks at that and says that's a business opportunity. And we've put in three storage devices already to this in this past week. We've got a fourth one going in next week, and we have our first big commercial ones going in in the third quarter. And it's, it's going to accelerate at such a pace. I hope we can keep up. Well, if listeners want to get in touch with you to hear more about anything that they've heard today, how can they do that? Um, the easiest way is obviously to 
contact us through through our website, which is hannahsolar.com, and H-A-N-N-A-H, and um, hannahsolar.com, or our, by phone, which our main line is 404-609-7005. And either way is great, and we'd, we'd love to walk anybody who, who would like to through the, uh, the economics and the benefits of solar. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for a great show. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.